Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. We talk about geek culture from the perspective of people of color, and you are listening to Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, aka the Shade Runner, aka T'Challa Bread, aka Lambo Calrissian, aka Misty Knight Rider, aka Gin and Juice Urso, and I am your captain today. And this really important for a very specific reason. Ben Amin is not here. Neither is Jeff J says, and really neither is any other man here present on the spaceship because it is Women's History Month. Now, you haven't heard me. <laughs> the, ship, the ship landed in Themyscira. <laughs> that too. And we'll get into who that was in just a second. The reason why you haven't heard me in the past couple of weeks, because I was on a very special secret mission. I had to go find two incredibly important people. You heard one of their voices just a moment ago, but here... Today on the spaceship, we have the Lexi Alexander and the Blur Girl. Woo! What's up? <laughs> Welcome. Hey. So, Blur Girl, since you t- since you just made that mention about we we're on Themyscira, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, folks? I'm Karima, aka the Blur Girl, aka the Bankai Babe, aka T'Challa's Auntie, aka Uber Surge. AKA Michael Blurdom, AKA Mbaku's vegetarian chef, AKA the Negro Sonic middle aged blurred head. What is up? Oh, wow, wow, wow. And I practice. Man, that, that, I think that's the dopest. And also, as I mentioned, we have Miss Lexi Alexander. Please introduce yourself. Lexi Alexander, AKA Super Lightfoot. <laughs> super Lightfoot. Super Fastfoot. I don't know. You have to help me out. Make something up. AKA El Director. AKA Hapipti Halloway. <laughs> there you I'm, go. I'm going through all the languages now trying to sound impressive. That's actually perfect because we haven't had anyone do it in a foreign language. Like they would just kind of uh-huh. just made something up on the fly, but that's actually amazing. So kudos to you. You get a point for that. Okay, but until the next time, you have to come up with some names for me. Absolutely, we'll make sure that happens, and we'll also yeah. put the. Well, I, th- I have, I have one now. Yeah? I think that in like Ava's directing New Gods, and Barda is one of the New Gods, and I think Lexi should be Barda. Oh, so AKA Barda. I like <laughs> it. I like it. And you know what? We'll actually make this a challenge for the people listening right now, fan bros. If you have some AKAs for the amazing Lexi Alexander, she is writer director. She is amazing and she also kick your ass because she knows martial arts so go ahead and follow (laughs) follow her on twitter right now and look up her background see what she's working on and then come back to us and let us know what you have as an aka (laughs) good grief i'm gonna regret this (laughs) (laughs) all right pause no, I know. Another AK could be the Punisher's mom. The Punisher's mom. Because you kind of like yeah. really led that in right. <laughs> when you directed the Punisher. So Lexi and the Blurred Girl, I know we made a big fanfare that this is the all women episode and we're doing this to celebrate Women's History Month. But I also understand that that's a double-edged sword because lots of times we have these arguments about, are these labels necessary? Do we have to 
promote and highlight the fact that we're quote unquote female geeks and are these types of labels necessary? So I propose the question to you, what do you think in this context? And also when it comes to being a geek in the industry today, and and, and for you, Lexi, that may mean film, but what does it mean to you when it comes to being a woman in this culture? Geeks just be geeks, you know, but you know, I'm actually kind of proud to be part of Geeks of Color, you know, because, you know, there's something to be said uh, about the fact that for a long time we were ignored, and I'm assuming the same for Blurts, you know, and of course there's a whole thing between women. Now, in my, op- uh, women and men, and in my opinion, the women that I know are, test- I mean, you being two of them, you know, women are the biggest geeks and they have so much vast knowledge of stuff. Like I don't even come close when I go to a meeting on a certain sci-fi project or, you know, any kind of very big, you know, pop genre kind of thing. It is always a woman. I ask for advice. You wouldn't believe how many times women of Twitter have prepared me for a meeting on a certain, you know, uh, brand project, you know, uh, that I can't mention that I had a meeting on, but that a lot of people know more about than me. And so it's weird that we have to identify that. But I think what happened is that men took over as so often happens. And all of a sudden, the voices of the women became marginalized. But that doesn't necessarily mean their knowledge or their presence was. Right. This is true. And I also think a lot of the identifiers fall away when there are women in the writers' room, women in the women producing, um, specifically women of color, um, because there are certain people that I'll bring onto something and or I will try to bring onto something, and then later they'll go, "Oh, I didn't know they were African American, or I didn't know they were Latino." I'm like, "Yeah, I know," but I know that they might be writing or looking at a script or looking at a project mm-hmm. with a particular eye. I won't have to stay on top of them to make sure they don't say anything crazy because right. I know that they literally will have, you know, they're, they're uh, it's like a sensitivity reader. They will right. have, they'll be sensitive to what, um, you know, subject matter, but it's, it's interesting. It is interesting. And you're right. Um, Lexi, it's definitely, definitely a balance. Absolutely. Well, see, that's interesting that we're all talking about the importance of labels, but also sometimes labels can be a hindrance. And all of this is also in the conversation when we talk about the industry at large. When we're talking about the entertainment industry, Hollywood, everything that's going into it, you've seen so many different movements that have flourished for the past couple of years, especially this year with things like the Me Too movement. And then you see a lot of new movements blossoming when you have movies like Black Panther, which feature prevalent Black women and women in general just in the forefront. So with all this in mind, from the both of you, would you say the industry has changed in the last year? or would you? And whether it's for the better or for the worse, what would you say has gone, been going on right now? Are we talking about the film yeah. industry or the genre industry? The in film general? industry, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I, first of all, I mean, when we're talking about Black Panda, I think that that wasn't that wasn't something that happened from you know the majority of the industry. Right. I think that was Black artists working incredibly hard and pushing and pushing and pushing their way through. And as you know better than anybody, mm-hmm. having to be a hundred times better than you know white men in the same Absolutely. industry, and so. You know, you would think, I think back of having grown up in Germany and watching Beverly Hills Cop and, you know, Eddie Murphy not being able to walk three steps 
outside in Germany without getting mobbed by thousands of people. And then, you know, moving to America as a young filmmaker myself and hearing, oh, you know, we don't cast black leads because they don't sell in Europe. And I'm, it always seemed incredibly odd to me. And these movies over and over again, proving that they're doing well, and yet, you know, it kind of being erased just by a false uh, mm. narrative. And so I, I think what has happened here, and again, the, certainly it wasn't given. It was a lot of people working hard, both Eva uh, and Ryan Kugler, incredibly hard workers. And all in, even while they're doing this, and this is, I think, what I in, admire most about them, still, you know, doing the inclusion yeah. thing, you know, still hiring a female DP, which that can't be easy. Like, even I think to myself, am I going to have the balls to do that? You know, because, you know, the minute as somebody who is considered an outlier, you get a job, you're afraid of, you mm. know, failing, of, of you know, messing up. And so, you know, uh, taking, like, make, having basically fighting the inclusion fight as well is often difficult. But they've both done this. Um, Ava is doing the third season, I think, with all female directors. I have a lot of respect for them. And I think that is eventually going to change, but not as quickly as I think everybody um you know wants it to change because i i remember hidden figures um you know and i thought to myself well given how much money mm -hmm. that made and knowing hollywood really well because remember when taken was a really you know surprise success because you know liam neeson was older and nobody really thought it would be that huge well mm -hmm. for the next two years it, there was any kind of version of Taken you can imagine. Taken upside down with the daughter saving the father. <laughs> taken right. with five fathers. Now they're taken, with the now taken on a plane. Exactly. But this I've never seen one hidden figures yet. Not one. Okay. And that's always what happens is that it becomes this like, oh, what an exception. You know, I think that Black Panther now being the most successful, the most successful movie in mm -hmm. U.S. history, you know, in Hollywood history has got to change something. But I think that it's not as easy because the status quo doesn't sleep. They're not mm. moving, you know, freely. Um, I, I agree. And I also think that I think a lot of people want to say that Black Panther is it, is the reason why, like, if there are changes, and I think it's still too soon because it's still in the theaters, I do think we're going to see fall season in terms of genre shows and genre movies and things like that next summer, more people of color, more black people, specifically black women being hired. I mean, we're going to see, I'm, I'm sure the next five films are going to have a bald black woman <laughs> with a weapon because they're going right, to think right, that right. that's what it takes. Well, well, um, well let's, because they're not going to understand. I'm sorry but the, to cut you off for a second, but, but that drives me crazy. And, and I'm curious to, from the both of you, why this kind of very basic pattern matching when it's like, oh, well, that movie, as you mentioned, is, as an example, with the bald black woman work. So let's do all the movies like this. Why is it so homogenous in Hollywood? It's not. I don't think it's so homogenous. It's so it's 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 a lot of money to make these movies, specifically genre movies, which is why they tend to, and I also think this is why the comic book medium is taken off so so much because basically, you have it, you, and people get signed for like you know eleven mm -hmm. year four picture deals because if it's a genre and there's characters that are already connected to it and it's a built in audience, they try to repeat it. The same thing with comic book characters, 
same character, different planet, different universe, whatever. They're trying to still capitalize on that same thing. So usually I think in Hollywood, it seems to be people not getting the essence of the story. They're just looking at the images and saying, oh, okay. So if we get a bald black woman and a black guy that's like in charge or the king of some fictional African country, Mm -hmm. we can do the same thing. And it's sort of like, and, and, but the, the thing is, when a lot of these movies were done before, there was not as much, there really wasn't social media and people like talking about it as much. I think now if somebody did something like that, it would really, 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 really get dragged. But how many times have you sat down and looked at Netflix and gone, wait a minute, this looks like just, just like a fake, you know, X, Y, Z movie. Like, in fact, there is a Netflix movie called Atlantic Rim (laughs) starring Tretch. That is actually in the in on Netflix right now, and it is a horrible, horrible B movie in the um, way that Sharknado is, and they've got terrible tech. But I mean, terrible looking tech. But it's literally called Atlantic Rim because they couldn't obviously say Pacific Rim. So it there there people are trying to make money on genres because it's just about a cash grab. All they need to do is make that money back in the first weekend. It doesn't matter what happens after that. See, when I and hear that's that, literally all they're trying to do. There hasn't been any change in the industry. It just is shifting laterally, but it's not really changing. I don't think it well, changes. Well, I, I actually think it's. I think it's changed, but I also think, and Lexi, correct me if I'm wrong, that change happens slower. Just like Black Panther appears to be what's made the change, but mm. I think Black Panther was the tipping point. Like Lexi said, it was hidden figures. The girls trip a lot of the other movies like think about it everybody is praising Chadwick Boseman for mm-hmm. his work on Black Panther but everybody forgets he was the only black man that would what was that was in um was that a horrible Egyptian movie with all God. the white people in it oh please don't um, tell me the, uh, gods, of, gods of Egypt yes God. He was the only black man in Gods of Egypt. He was the only black god. People forget that. Yeah, no, there was a lot of Swedish guys with eyeliner. Exactly. So it's sort of like... But I don't see... I mean, God, you know, I hate being this cynical, but I am, you know, it just... I don't see it that way. I think that what has happened is that it's just... It's just not cool to be that exclusive anymore. You know, I think that yeah. I think that Warner Brothers never wanted to hire a woman director. And the reason I know this is because you could tell by like the first one they fired. Immediately there was conflict. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, the next one wasn't fired and the next one they also supported financially because I think the press entertainment reporters, which I think we don't thank them enough because they actually point the stuff out now. Like what, yeah. I made a comic book movie and the studio just decided first of all something nobody knows is they wanted one guy after another and they really didn't wow. want to go to me um you know but they wanted uh, john Dahl right. most of all you know so once it was me um the budget dropped 10 million dollars at least you know and uh, you know i still argue with my agents about this because they told me one number and then they said they misunderstood and i said no no it was that number when john Dahl was doing that then it became this number when i was doing it but then it also mm-hmm. became a thing when it came out in the theaters there's a thing about not supporting women directors you know and uh, you know it really matters of how much promo do you put into it for example when Zack snyder did watchmen that wasn't a movie that was landing well with critics and i don't think it was landing uh, well didn't. with fans too, it didn't land well because i was one of them it like, didn't land well well, <laughs> it didn't land well but guess what it 
it, guess what? It did not become a box office, of his failure. Why? Because you know, Warner it Brothers considers yeah, the, consider Zack his their boy. He's like there in mm-hmm. the, in the you know in the you know the, the racing horse stall, so to say. He's the horse to bet on, and so they weren't going to let him fail completely. So somebody actually who worked um, in marketing for that movie told me what the budget was. They spent more on marketing this movie and getting people to see it than they actually spent on the movie. And the, you you can do that. The studio can do that. They can make sure that a, a movie at least um, you know goes even and ha- doesn't have a loss. With me, it was the you know polar opposite. Like you know, let's just not put any posters up. Let's you know put drop it in the worst months for genre movies possible. And so there's a whole industry behind it that you know is now you know with this new like people really like urging you know not to be all white not to be all male there is a need to you know hire certain people and i think the fact that they're doing a good job is you know we all knew this we all knew that if you get in the industry you know as a person of color as a woman you know you have to have some jobs and so now what's happening is they actually have to deal with the fact that you know these movies make a lot of money but I don't see there suddenly be a thing, uh, you know, where, oh, I think we should really, I mean, people have said this for years, they have said, you know, uh, diversity makes a lot of money. I mean, you could see that in advertising uh, numbers, in studies, every year a study comes out and says, those who hired diverse made more money. And did it ever change anything? No. I think that's because there's a frat in charge and they're not moving and they still kind of see themselves in other people who look like them. You know, that's who they mentor. It's really hard to get guys who are at the top, um, you know, to kind of uh, not mentor you, but to, you know, be your champion, either as a woman or as a person of color, because there's a weird... um, kind of you know how do i describe it there's a weird separation it's awkward most of the times and that's to me the saddest thing is like we don't as artists as hollywood people who want to tell great stories don't have a community where you know somebody just sees a talented director you know there's one guy a guy named kassian elvis who i think is doing that right now because he hired d reese for mudbound and i think he is that guy now who is just basically looking at who's a great fucking director but very few Mm -hmm. people can do it and if you're just doing it for the purpose of oh i gotta hire one of them women or one of them people of color you know it's not gonna work you know so nope i completely and and, and i and i actually appreciate that you're going into the nuances of of both of you but but especially you lexi you're going as as a director you're going to the nuances of why this is happening why we're in the state that we are 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 either of you uh kind of hopeful that it's going to get better or you're just, or is it really just hinging upon the so-called gatekeepers to really pull in everybody with them? No, I think it's, it, it, it is going to get better. If, if the pressure stays on, here's the thing. And I'm totally dating myself now, but I completely, I remember when everybody thought that, you know, Spike Lee and John Singleton and everybody had changed Hollywood because they are, uh, they were making, you know, there was Boys in the Hood, and there was, um, not just she's got to have it, but all, basically all of the Spike Lee genre genre of films in the 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 nineties and early two thousands, and everybody said, "Oh, we've made it," and they everyone sort of sat back on their laurels, and we didn't make it. Like there weren't that many. You didn't see 
film black filmmaker after black black filmmaker, you know, mm-hmm. coming out. You didn't see black female filmmakers. I mean, you know, Casey Lemons and people like that have been doing it for such a long time, but you weren't in the indie scene, but you just did not see them um, getting the same accolade. So I think now with the advent of social media and with people like, um, obviously Ava, but not just Ava um, for, and, and like it or not, Tyler Perry has basically employed a lot of people, Tyler Perry, as well as younger people. Like, I don't think any, people realize how much work John Boyega did on this yeah. Pacific Rim. Like he, produced it like then he created his own production company to produce it and he's got like two or three other movies his production company i think it's called upper room in the pipeline specifically targeting like he's going back to england and going back to the same people who helped put him on an attack the block but he's trying to find the next crop Mm -hmm. of young filmmakers people of color etc so it's gonna take that continuously happening like, it's going to take, okay, this star made it, now let's go back. Like, it's going to take mm-hmm. um, Lupita doing another Queen of Catway. It's, you know, like, do a big one, do a small one, and bring some other people up. Do a big one, do a small one. It's just going to have to keep going like that and not every – and at the end of the day, I, I don't I, – Lexi, you help me out with this. I mean, I'm thinking, you know – Sometimes you just got to eat. You got to work. You're trying to get out there and get the work done. You can't help anybody if you're not eating. Well, you know, that's first of all. I mean, I think that's the dilemma of all of us who do this kind of work and speak out. I mean, I literally just before this podcast started, I had to read a pilot script that I'm up for. And, you know, I, you know, I don't get a lot of pilot offers. I, you know, have to hustle, you know, I, and I'm not from a rich family. I certainly don't have a lot of savings. I mean, so I, I, you know, have to like look at this and I look at it as like, you know, I'm going to have to book this job. I hope I book this job, but then it's completely politically uh, incorrect at certain places. And I have to now think about the fact of how much of that can I say? How much of it am I willing to push and how much, you know, how much do people understand when I yeah. do do it that I also have to eat, you know? And we keep saying this all the time, really. I mean, I, I, I'm often frustrated that, you know, people let women of color really say the most out there. And I'm just like, you know, you know, there's so many white guys pretending to be allies. Like, why don't you say these things so that I don't have to say them? Because you get work all the time. I literally, this costs me jobs every time I say something. Very true. The person. So you're looking for. So you're looking yeah. for people to actually do the work. It's great to talk the talk, but walk the walk as well. Is what you're saying. Be with me in the trenches and and take the hits. I think the other yeah. part of it is right. taking the hits. Like everyone wants to talk about all the support and all the positive side about being an ally slash accomplish. But what about when it gets bad or when it doesn't go as planned? But also, why do they ever let it go bad for us? Like, and you know, I have so many mm. well-known white guys who are directors or writers who are really A-list following me. And it bothers me sometimes that, you know, they like a tweet, but they don't retweet it and they don't take over. Like, instead of saying, you know what, she shouldn't be saying this because this is going to cost her work. You know, I'm the guy who gets too many jobs offered to even do them also. I'm going to like say this. And nobody ever offers this. They just keep letting me say the things that need to be said by the way you know that you know i'm at the point where really i do only speak out about things that are really 
really important but you know i mean i i look at my feet and there's yeah. like 10 things that are really important um so it's it's frustrating because you're absolutely right you know at some point you know especially those of us who don't get a lot of the same opportunities we do have to eat you know but in terms of you know is it changing i uh completely agree that the, if the, the pressure has to stay on and i think that's what in the past hasn't hasn't happened you know you would have Spike yeah. Lee and John Singleton and then people would almost be like chilling, like we're good. You know, we've got our people in and they're bringing more. Right, we've got two. But we're doing... Yeah, we've got two. And we're I'm good. seeing the same thing happening right now. And it's also like part of us in terms of like the people who are really promoting, uh, you know, the ones that we like stand behind. It almost becomes like you know, a worship of those two, three people. But we forget that we have to like, we have to at some point say they're good. They're good, you know. I mean, Ryan Kugler at this point, yeah. you know, has, is no way they can cost him his career right now because he has made so much money for so many people and he has not failed. He has made one movie after another that was critically acclaimed and a success. He really at this point probably doesn't need our screaming on Twitter as much as some of the other ones, you know? As as much as Dee Reese. Dee like, Reese, for example. Okay. Exactly. She, she, she needs the screaming, yes. Need, yeah, Dee needs exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's also always, you know, when it comes to women of color, I mean, you look at the numbers. Nobody ever wants to mention this, but the numbers are very clear. You know, even in like the category, it drives me crazy sometimes, like, you know, DPs, for example, cinematography. We made a big hallelujah. Like, finally, we have a woman who's nominated for an Oscar. And it's almost like, why are we celebrating this? First of all, as always with a first, it's a white woman. She gets offered everything mm -hmm. right now. And we are literally in 2018 celebrating a first woman in something. That's not normal. The defense industry has women running every company. Yet in Hollywood, we celebrate the first woman. I had the same thing when um, I had the same thing with uh, with editors. Um, people don't realize it, but Joy McMillan, who edited Moonlight, was the first black female ever at uh, ever nominated um, in the editor category as in, in an Oscars. And I remember jumping up and down and screaming and yelling because editing is is what I've built my career on. And I was just was like, nobody knows who this woman is. She didn't win, and now nobody thinks she's worth anything, which is horrible. She's an Oscar nominated editor, Yeah, but there's no reason, like we should be yelling for we her. We didn't. And by the way, like, I didn't it's, even it's, know that if you would have asked me, was there a first black woman nominee? I couldn't have told you that. I've that, that completely went exactly. over my head. Right. I didn't know that. I didn't even know that till you said it just now. Yeah. Um, yeah and I mean, so. a, a good friend of ours, um, I, you know, we were just talking about, um, Sabelle Martin, a good friend of ours, who's a DP, um, NYU was celebrating a black female, um, cinematographer that graduated from the cinematographer program last year and she was the second and Sabelle was the wow. first and that was what 18 years ago mm -hmm. come yeah. on wow like we do like everybody's like oh are we not supposed to congratulate I said we're supposed to congratulate like a child who gets a C or a D. It's like, okay, you place, but do better. And by the way, like, that's yes, not meant thank for you them. For us. I mean, yes, they should be separated. No, 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 not yeah. the black people, not the yeah. black woman. I'm talking about the 
companies, and thank you for clarifying, the companies NYU do better. Yes. You know, yes. Like, I mean, no, Hollywood we shouldn't even congratulate better. them as in, yay, we should go, what the fuck? You know, why is there no women? <laughs> no, that's, it's true, but we, I like that much better. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Because, you know, this will also be reflected in the industry, but it's also up to us. Like, I think we all on social media have done a good job, and you can tell by how uncomfortable people mostly white guys in power are getting about us being so loud. I mean, let's be honest, and I'm always looking for black Twitter is really the one who led this whole movement, which is why I get really annoyed when people are upset about Black Panda from other non-black, um, you know, minority groups. Drives me crazy. Right. It's not like yes. I should apologize for all of them, but I will because, you know, I am embarrassed for them. Because really, truly, black Twitter is the force that has started this you know, outspokenness and uh, like basically t keeping the pressure on. And I don't know if people remember, but the whole TV shows were canceled based on black Twitter saying no. And yes. that was a power. And I remember yeah. having a meeting at Lifetime once and I, I, I had mentioned black Twitter because I was just in an article where somebody kind of included me. I think it was an Oscars or white article and somebody had included me as one of the voices. And they were like, the, the minute I said black Twitter, they were like, oh my God, yeah, we, we don't ever want to upset black Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is like, very funny. Like we're just like it's a monolith. Yeah, yeah. like it's no, Thanos. I, I, it's I, Thanos. Black Twitter is Thanos. They, come at it like they, they don't want to catch that Infinity Fade. I don't know what that is. But I, I think Infinity there was, Fade. There was a show that had just been canceled because Black Twitter was pissed off. Um, I don't know what it was, yeah. but I do remember precisely that all of that was about Confederate. No, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't know. It was Confederate. If, Confederate disappeared off the face of the earth. Now there wasn't anything uh, saying that for or against whether or not it still even exists, but notice that you've never heard of it ever. Since since it got completely annihilated, yeah. you never heard of it since. And see, there is a power in us having a voice now. And you can also tell by what's going on. This is this we have been given the microphone by accident. Nobody actually thought this would happen. If white people would have known that this would happen, uh, they would have never let us go on social media. But now it's too late to take it back. Right. <laughs> and, and I I think there's great power in this and we do have to keep the pressure on and you know i often think we sometimes don't even uh, go too far and people fall through the cracks i just had this conversation the other day about effie brown in my twitter feed and it was very kind but um uh, at function who's a black woman who works for matt damon and ben affleck has has talked them into taking over the inclusion rider, which is great. And she's been tweeting about that. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, the next step would be for all those movies to be produced by Effie Brown, because that would be a great redemption story for your bosses. And she yes. totally agreed. And I didn't, I certainly did not want to put a black woman on the spot because God knows she'd be the first one who would be, you know, thrown in front of the bus if something goes wrong. So I made it very clear that I, you know, totally, you know, respect what she's done. But I also wanted to say, look, I'm personally, and I know a lot of other people feel like that, I'm not ready to forgive what, what, what happened there. Because I also know through Effie and through other articles that came out that Matt has never apologized. Matt is still uh, upset with her. The two directors actually quit because of her. You know, there was a lot of stuff happening and nobody has apologized. You can't just jump on the inclusion train. And not clear this up. You have to be man enough and big enough to say, you know what? I've learned a lot in the last six months. Let me clear this up because now I realize that Effie Brown was like my inclusion whisperer and I should have listened, you know, mm. but that's not happening. It's 
But they wouldn't even know what an inclusion writer was if Frances McDormand hadn't said it at the Oscars. Like, that's no, right. But that they goes back to what Lexi was saying about about the other people in in these other categories needing to be loud, and also what you're saying about having accomplices. They need to be on these spaces saying what the fuck one and two going on the Oscar stage saying inclusion writer, and then making people go, oh, what's that? Uh, one thing I wanted to mention because we mentioned social media and Twitter a lot. I saw an interesting tweet. Then um, this is this actually involving you, Lexi. Um, I know that you were working on a TV show, mm-hmm. and you were working with Scott Derrickson, and he shared a tweet with me that, and I was I was very surprised this didn't it didn't work out. But he noted, I took a TV show out with Lexi Alexander, and it didn't sell. Her scripts were outstanding. I can't help but wonder if networks aren't really that interested in Arab characters who aren't terrorists. I hope that isn't true. Now, when I read this, I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Her, 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 her TV show didn't sell. I was, I was very surprised because uh, I, I heard a lot about it behind the scenes. Two, uh, bringing in that other part of, you know, we've talked a lot about minorities and, 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 and um, lesser represented peoples. Um, the fact of that your TV show was surrounding Arab characters that had nothing to do with terrorism and that that could have been the, 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 I guess the, the, the line in the sand of them not wanting to, to get us a green light. So can you just tell us a little bit more about what, you, what was supposed to be happening with your show and, and what happened? So basically I wrote these scripts um, and uh, showed them to Scott, who's a good friend of mine and obviously a great director. I'm sure you have a lot of listeners who are big Dr. Strange fans yes, and um, yes. he's, he's an awesome guy you know, always tries to do the right thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember the whole whitewashing uh, story during Doctor Strange, but he, he, you know, against Marvel's wishes, he actually at some point tweeted, I am listening to everybody. I'm understanding. I'm very sorry. Like, you know, how many times you hear a white guy tweet, I'm listening and I'm learning, you know? So I, I always <laughs> thought he was a great guy. We we started to get to know, to know each other more later. He's offered to you know, be kind of my accomplice ally, or as I call it, the room calming white guy in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and when people get nervous about women directors and women writers, it's always good to have somebody who's an 800 pound gorilla next to you, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but he read the scripts and he said, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Like, so we, we need to, uh, you know, can I produce this? This is great. And so, for me, it was a success story because it did sell. There was actually uh, somewhat of a bidding war over it when they first uh, go out because there are steps to it. First, you send them to producers. And there was a whole lot of really prestige producers with really prestige shows on TV right now who wanted it. And um, I we decided we should go with uh, Plumhouse because Jason Plum, I mean, he had just produced, even though they're not known for what this script was, which is a drama. It has nothing to do with horror or genre. Right. Um, so even though it's more of a thriller, political thriller, I would say more than a drama. But, uh, you know, and some of the agents said, really, I mean, he's more known for horror, but Scott has a relationship with him. I always had great admiration uh, for Jason Plum. And I love Get Out. And I love that he did it. I also know, and I'm not sure that is known to the entire industry, that Get Out wasn't an easy sell. Not a lot of people wanted to make this movie, you know. And so I just respect, you know, this whole production house, Jason Blum and his whole team so much that when they offered to buy it, um, I said, yes, we chose them. And so for me, then they actually, I worked for them for almost like a year. They paid me nicely to like write some more scripts and write a Bible. 
we thought this would be an easy, easy sell, you know, and we went out kind of almost cocky thinking, well, who, like, there's not a person who didn't love these scripts. Everybody was, and I've gotten job offer after job offer for writing assignments, which is unusual for me, you know, because I'm much more known as a director, but just based on these scripts, you know, people wanted me on writing staff. I started laughing. I'm like, I'm not a staff writer. That's not what I do, you know. Um, so it was, you know, a good year where I was really happy thinking, shit, people are really liking a story about Arabs. It had one American white guy. The rest were all Arabs. I mean, all of them. And I couldn't believe it. But then we went to the networks and everything changed. I mean, mm. even networks who I had meetings with before, who, you know, I'm talking about the streaming private ones, yeah, who straight out said to me, oh, we're dying for a story about Arabs, with Arabs, blah, blah, uh, you know, and they would say to me, we would like, you know, we're looking for a show like Fauda. Fauda is a show on um, Netflix. Okay. But, you know, it's about Arabs also, but it's from an Israeli point of view. Mm. There's a lot of shows on uh, everywhere on TV that are about Arabs, but not from an Arab point of view. Um, you know, I mean, there's, you know, the people who had Homeland didn't even want to read it because it was too close. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm literally trying to write the opposite of Homeland. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, like, you yeah. know, but... I understood that they just didn't want to be in the, in the, you know, I guess they just did, they had enough Arabs. But then the passes oh. came in and they were incredibly racist. Like we would hear from people that you wouldn't think would say this. They would say to us, we already have another show with an Arab on it. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Then we would hear from another, another network literally said this. Okay. And I, I would say, I can't reveal these places because I'm still need to pay rent. But, but this one killed me. They have one show on that really, again, is the opposite, you know, but they said, well, you know, this show we have X. Well, next season, we're planning to do two episodes in the Middle East. So we can't have a show with Arabs. <laughs> I mean, it was just the most outrageous, basically. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for somebody. It's, it's, no, they, they'll come in. They'll come it, up with it's, the strangest, strangest ideas. But, you know, like, it's bizarre, excuses. but it's old. You know, it's, it's an excuse. It's not bizarre. It's because they just right. don't want to say outright that they don't want it. And they don't want the. Right. They know the optics will look bad right. if they say exactly what But they, they by mean. accident they said something stupid, worse. Stupid That's the issue. Like, they should have just said we didn't respond to the material. Yeah. But by, by sheer ignorance, they said things that they shouldn't be saying. And I, I have to, once again, I say anybody who works with the Plumhouse people, um, you know, is really is blessed if you have a choice to work with them and other people often go with them because I was surrounded by a team who was more mortified. Um, you know, and there was it was very cute because there was a real mix of religion. There was, you know, we had everything from Persian Jews to Persian Jew who was married to a Muslim woman to, you know, Christian on the team. Like it, it was such a like coexist kind of team that the whole thing was so interesting in itself and they really felt mortified for me mm -hmm. like they said i we are so sorry like because the that was really the thing that it was just you know it, it was things that you wouldn't say i think about a lot of other minorities i don't think you would say that about women like can you imagine somebody saying we already have a woman on yeah. another well, show or even like we are 
We already have an Asian well, on you know another what? show. You know? The, you know, the other reason why I said it bizarre, because to me, it's like you saying that doesn't make it any better. It actually reflects more poorly on you to say, oh, well, we, you know, we're, we're going to do this show That's with, with, you know, in, in the Middle East. So we don't need any more Arabs. And just like you said, all this stuff about using that, that kind of pattern of we already have an Asian person. We already have a, have this woman or whatever the case may be. That's been going on forever. So it's not new to me, mm-hmm. but it's still so bizarre when people, the industry is invariably performing doublespeak. Oh, we know, we know diversity sells. We know this makes money. We see this make money. We have all this, these examples in front of us, tangible examples, but then they'll turn around and say, oh, we already have a film or we already have a TV show with an hour person. We don't need that this year. That's why I don't think people. But you, but you know what's interesting though is this, this is where I swear that it, in the, not just the writer's room, but in the producer's room, you need more than one person to say, so? What kind of answer is that? You need somebody on the inside saying yeah. that. Like, okay, is your problem that it's really, is it a problem that you don't like the script? Like, do you not like the writing? Or is that you just literally don't want to take the risk because you think you're going to lose an advertiser, which is dumb because we have the advertisers that we have are on like two, two or three other big shows. Like I'm making these scenarios up, but I've been in rooms with people who say like really dumb stuff and you got to look around and sometimes I mean, I'm not, I am nowhere near in a room where I get to green light shows, I wish. But I have literally been in rooms where discussions are had even for articles and posts. And I go, wait a minute, stop. What did you just say? That's dumb. Like, why are you saying that? It doesn't make any sense. Like, sometimes you need the same things that we're saying. We need somebody on the inside. But we don't have anybody. Because what really annoys me. Look, all the people that. What happened is when we took the show out as a team, we had to have a meeting where we told them about the show. It wasn't a pitch, more like, hey, here's what we're bringing to you guys. But then we left them with the scripts. And if I look back now, and I wasn't actually, until right now Mm -hmm. I'm talking to you, I have never thought about this. All of the people I met that were the basically people that we're pitching the story to, that we left with the package, they were all white. I didn't pitch to a single person mm. of color. Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember. And, and by the way, I don't think there is a single person of color in this town who has green light power. Wow. You know, and, and Netflix, exactly. when Netflix, um, you know, when the head of Netflix said he will not... Uh, do the inclusion writer thing. And he was pretty, pretty straightforward about it, which surprised me. But then somebody else tweeted, I think it was Jeff Yang who tweeted, um, well, maybe, you know, he doesn't want to do it because it would reveal that, you know, only 9% of all the employees at Netflix are people of color. And that kind of threw me because I hadn't thought of that because we are so focused on representation on screen and behind the camera and whatnot in the creatives that I didn't even think of like there's 4,000 employees at Netflix, okay, in the offices. How do they Mm. look? But I think that's something we're kind of forgetting. And, you know, as you can see right now, I mean, you look at this country and you look at the votes and you look at what's happening and the constant conversations, you know, like if we, we're, we're back to, I mean, you know, as somebody who grew up in Germany who had to take mandatory trips to Holocaust sites, the fact that we're having three day long discussions if a Nazi should be punched or not kind of blows my mind, you know. <laughs> We're we're at that point. And I'm like, I'm often thinking like, okay, how many white people can really relate to the fact that, you know, not having Arabs in any other storyline, but associated with, you know, national security is a real fucking issue. 
you know? That being said, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more of this special episode of Fan Bros. Hey, this is Yatide Badaki. I play Belquis on American Gods. And when I am not swallowing up people whole, I am listening to Fan Bros. Hi, this is Marjorie Liu. And when I'm not bitching about ex mocking the movie, I'm listening to Fan Bros. This is Grease Summer, and when I'm not voicing your favorite childhood cartoons or smoking a lot of weed, I'm listening to the Fan Bro Show. Actually, sometimes I do that at the same time. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray, and um, I'm I'm currently on a date with Deadpool, but I just left him downstairs to come up here and just uh, say, you know, guys, just just listen to the show. It's Fan Bros. Why would you not? Hold on. I'm coming, honey. Okay. All right. That's Deadpool. Okay. Bye, guys. Hi guys, it's Alfred Woodard, and when you are not just like picking, uh, why don't you listen to Fan Bros? The best people are. Uh, but you know what picking is, it's picking your nose. Today, we've been talking to you a lot about the state of the industry, the state of women in the industry, and how it all intersects with uh, race, culture, and everything in between. But now we have to go into one of our favorite segments. The Guac is Extra. And today we have a question from Curvy Geeky Fangirl. She writes, since the news dropped that Moonella, aka Moon Girl Lafayette, and Devil Dinosaur are getting their own show... What other women of color characters do you also think should be getting their own series? Um, Wait, where, where are they getting their own show? Um, they are getting, I know that they're getting their own animated show. Um, Lawrence Fishburne is- On Disney. On Disney? Is it on Freeform? Yeah. Or just Disney? I, I don't know if it's going to be on Freeform or if it's going to be on the new service that's coming out in a few months. Well, it's, I know that um, Lawrence Fishburne is heading that up, but um, it's definitely coming out. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, if it's going to be animated, I would say yeah. Kamala Khan. Okay. Kamala Khan, um, of Ms., course. Yeah, Miss Marvel. Yes. I think not simply because what um, Sanaa Aminat and G. Willow Wilson have done with that character is so incredible. And there's kids all over the world of all kinds of races and religions that are reading the story because it's such a well-written story. And YA is so huge right now. I think they would be stupid not to do that as if, I mean, I think it should be live action, but if they don't have the money to do all the effects, because yeah. stretching yeah. her is going to take a lot of effects, um, I would make it animated. Um, and then if it was live action, I want to see Misty Knight. I need, I, I'm tired of worried about who they keep putting on Netflix. They keep putting Misty Knight with Luke Cage and then, then they're trying to set her up. I hope not. But in the comics, she's, she ends up with Danny Rand. Right. And I just, I don't want no, to do that. Not, we, not this version of Danny. Really, we don't need it. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I want her. To have a standalone series, um, we can make it like a uh, Heroes for Hire, where she's the lead. But I need her to have her own show and give some some work there. Those are my two picks. <laughs> All right. 
You know, I remember at some point, this was before there was any Marvel TV shows, uh, comic book TV shows. At some point, I wanted to, and I'm planking on the name now, but do you know when they, Misty Knight, they had a detective agency called, what was it called? The House of Dragons or something? Oh, the Daughters of the Dragon. Dark, yeah, yes. I, wa- I wanted to pitch the Daughters of the Dragon show. I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. that would Colleen, be so Colleen fire. Wing and Misty Knight. Yeah, yeah. And and they could use the the Colleen that they have now and the Misty that they have now. It'd be great. Absolutely, because they and they're they're both very light, well liked characters already. They have already an established timeline with them within a Netflix universe. So it would be pretty much. I know we're saying that, but but they always find excuses. It'd be pretty easy to make that connection and actually expand upon that. Doesn't even matter that no one knows that that it's not necessarily a, a mainstream group or a mainstream story. You've seen them bring all of these random stories to life. Why not this one? Yep. That's what I think. And, you know, I had the feeling, and I don't know, I mean, if this is true, but I had a feeling that's what they were planning. At least I got the feeling when I mentioned it in the meeting once that they were suddenly shutting off this conversation so quickly that I thought, oh, that must be already uh, in planning. But then I, I don't know. I think it dep- Well, it depends because I don't think anybody realized that, that – uh- Iron, Iron Fist was going to be so horrible. So if we, as, if we can get Colleen, because unfortunately Colleen only really exists in that universe and in Defenders. So if Misty does really well, um, you know, if Misty's character is really popular on Luke Cage and we can get Colleen kind of more into Defenders and less in Iron Fist, then people will be, you know, be able to talk about their characters more and, and, and give them a spinoff. I think that would be awesome though. Yeah, I, I would really like to you see know, that. You know, a Satana show could also be good. Yes, yes, I'm into that. Yes, because yes. I'm, I'm I'm more of an animation head, so I know a lot of the stories based on the different cartoons that's been going on over the years, and I I love the way that she's been portrayed in the last few years. So I I really would hope that we see some of that, but. Again, it's like, what kind of hurdles do we need to, to jump to? I mean, it, it kind of makes me think, you know, is it easier to get it over if it's animated as opposed to live action? I don't well, watch I mean, any of the animated stuff, to be honest. So I don't even know who got one or not. I was disappointed that Vixen didn't get um, a real show rather than an animated show. That CWC stuff yeah. was, um, like, as much as I, I like the animation and I like what they were trying to do it, to me, it was kind of trash to put her on like the Arrow. the B league, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you know, it, it was it was it was third string league, and and when when you're talking about the channels, because it was CWC, which is what like an online streaming thing, and not to say that there there's not there's nothing wrong with online streaming, but it was clear that it wasn't getting the same type of leverage or platform as say putting something directly on the CW. Right. No, what I think, what I really think, what it looked like when I started when I saw those episodes, and the episodes were five minutes a piece. And the entire season was like six or seven episodes. It was like, which, it was like 30 minutes which is total, right, which the is, entire season. <laughs> but I think it was seven episodes, which is 42 minutes, with which commercials is a one-hour show. What I thought was that somebody pitched a one-hour show or they made them do the proof of concept. They did it. They liked it. And they said, that's all. That's all. We're, we're, we'll give you money for this, but we're not giving you money past this. And they, and they tried to just sell it in these five-minute increments, which was, which was a joke. It was, it was really, really... I saw trailers about and, and and what do you call it behind the scenes development of that of that show that was longer than the episodes itself. It was wow. insulting. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, you know, since we're talking about characters, and this this is is this is not what you guys have seen in the background, but this is a question that we've been talking about on Twitter. Um, 
character deaths, specifically in the upcoming Infinity War movie. On Twitter, Fanbashow has been running a Infinity Fade poll. Yes, I've where- seen some of that. <laughs> Yeah. So for like over like a week and a half every day, we we put up a, a different series, excuse me, a, a different property. So whether it was Doctor Strange, whether it was Captain America, th- those particular, uh, whether Spider-Man, those particular characters that, that are prevalent in each series, we would say, well, who are these people are going to die? Right. So uh, it, it was very sad, the things that we were, <laughs> the things that came out in the polls. For example, with Spider-Man, we have put up um, MJ, uh, Zendaya's character, we put up Spider-Man as an option. Um, um, Aunt May was an option. Ned, his best friend, was an option. Ned dies, according to Twitter. Um, when we put up, like, Doctor, uh, excuse me, uh, Doctor Strange, um, Wong, like, the yeah. only Asian character, <laughs> got offed. So, I mean, we got. I got to ask the both of you, when it comes to Infinity War, who do you think is, is getting getting the L? Like, who's going to the big, dark place in the sky, man? Well, I can tell you it's who it's not. It's not going to be Spider-Man because he signed, like, a four-picture deal. So <laughs> that's not happening. Except um, if he's that- actually asking for it, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah you, you that doesn't really say anything because if somebody wants to get out or if they change their mind about something, um, you know, it may be one of those... Um, you know, mutually decided to separate kind of thing. That wouldn't surprise me. I doubt it. I didn't even think about that. Tom Holland is so excited. But with to that end, I do think that it might be Captain America because that actor, um, Chris... um, Evans. Chris Evans, yeah, has said... Hard to keep the Chris apart, I know. Yeah, I know. There's like five of them now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but yeah, he I, he has said that he's he's kind of done. I mean, he's been like what 15 years in this in this. Uh... That, that's that's old in Marvel years. Like, you I know think how there's dog years. I think like you know how there's uh, dog years. It's Marvel years too. <laughs> I think it's Tony Stark. It might be him too, because yeah, he's he's also kind of done. Um, I don't so think, I it's think it's Doctor Strange since it literally just started. You know. But it, but there's also no plans for a second movie, not yet, anyway. So I think, and he's the only one that doesn't seem to have a sequel coming up. Like I even think Ant Man and the Wasp has another one after this one. Um, yeah, true. So the like on the docket, there's no no uh, Doctor Strange two. The I I agree though. I think it it might. I think um, Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr. might be might be done because he's tired and he's like, look, there's only so many times I can get up in that harness and fly around. Do you um, think there would ever be a moment, given that we're talking during Women's History Month? But you know, just think about. I, I'm a fan of Robert Downey Jr. Okay, but by the time he got cast as the leading man in a superhero movie, he he literally had, you know, I think four different trials, arrests rehabs behind him he was the most up and down you know at some point i remember people not being able to cast him because he couldn't get insurance you know and it's the ultimate comeback story which i'm happy for him but i was just wondering if they they gave him that yeah, yeah i was just wondering if you think there's ever going to be a moment where a woman ever gets cast at that age as the lead of a comic book movie after all of that history on top of it because I'm rooting no. for Lindsay Lohan. No. no, I'm not really, but. 
<laughs> no, but I'm serious. I mean, like I, I look at him and I'm like going, you know, you know, I, I, to be honest, some of the stories I've read in the Weinstein thing, right? Yeah. I have great admiration for some of the women and many of them I've been fans of, you know, who, where I thought, where did they go? And then you find out that this happened and then Harvey Weinstein told people she's difficult, which by the way, this happens to me all the time. I cannot count the people who I literally have never even had a confrontational discussion with who decide to talk about me and say, oh, I heard she's difficult. This happens to women a lot. And in their cases, it has happened because they said no or because they were upset, you know, that they were assaulted, you know. So I, right. I, I just would love, I would just love if this would happen to a woman at one point that we can have this like three, four movie franchise where a woman gets basically be put back at the top of the box, box office list. But just as far as uh, what we were saying about, you know, having that one time when you see like a four picture there or whatever have you, that's led by women, would that, would with Wonder Woman be that first time that you really get to see that big uh, blockbuster kind of... By an actually woman? Yes, I think okay. so. By, you know, if we're just talking about, and by Robert Downey Jr., I was, I mean, there's so many of them now. Chris Evans had a great run here. But Robert Downey Jr., I said that specifically because I, how old was he in his first Iron Man movie? Oh, jeez. I actually don't know how old he is late. now. So I- <laughs> he was in his, I believe he was in his mid or late 40s. And that was. I think he was in his 40s. Yeah. yeah. And, and so to, in, in, you know, from my point of view, it, it just, look, I would fucking watch a movie with, you know, wouldn't you want Angela Bassett to be in a movie that, you know, where she's the lead at one of those big Marvel she films? I mean, to, I think it's... It's fun. years ago now, years past, and, and the boat has sailed, but she was supposed to be Storm. In my heart of hearts, always, she was supposed to be Storm. And she has always embodied Storm. The... the, the from the person, from people who read the comic books, but for me, for from the animated series, the Fox Kids... That was and has always been storming. And unfortunately, we've never got that. Um, but that being said, we're, I want to make sure that we get to this other segment. Lexi, you've been involved in this many times, so I'm not going to make put you in the hot seat, but you can actually chime in. I'm going to put the Blur Girl in the hot seat. Yes. <laughs> so we have our brap segment our quick fire question and answer segment where I'm going to give you a couple of choices and you're going to have to choose one. So are you ready, Karima? All right. Yes. Or I should say, are you ready? The blur girl. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Cage or Black Hello? Panther? Oh, Black Panther. <laughs> right. Superman or Batman? Oh, boy. Batman. Wakanda or Zamunda? Wakanda. <laughs> so, no what would you choose, Lexi? <laughs> But kind of, of Absolutely. <laughs> Although I did make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Teen Titans or X-Men? Oh. I know you're, you're a big so comic book fan. So which one is it? Nah. Okay, I'll go with the one that affected me first. I'll say X-Men. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Lex Luthor or Dr. Doom? You know what? Lex Luthor. I'm sorry. There was always something sexy about that baddie. I'm sorry. Dr. Doom just, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This question is for the both of you. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Oh, man. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to say Star Trek. And I think Tatiana knows why. Right. So why do you say Star Trek? Um, because Uhura had such a huge effect on me growing up. Ah. Like Uhura like, made me realize that not only was Uhura like a 
black woman on a spaceship. So in the future, but she was in charge of communications. She, she spoke multiple languages and she sat in the back and nobody paid attention to her really. (laughs) And that sort of, sort of kind of defined my career. Like my career has been being many times ignored and sitting in the back. Nobody pays attention to me. But meanwhile, I have all the information Uh. and I kind of pattern that. (laughs) I pattern that after Uhura. (laughs) It's so frustrating. It's funny, but it's so fucking frustrating. You know, it's, it it really is. It's like, yeah, I, I think that what, I mean, that's probably most women of color have been in this situation and it's so fucking frustrating, you know? It is, but you know, it's really funny. Somebody asked me like, what's what, what, what's one of the worst things about being, like a geek girl or a a black girl geek or a woman of color who's a geek or whatever, or in, in the tech or geek space. And I often say, you know, being ignored and um, not just undervalued, but often just people don't think you have the ability to do anything, yeah. you know? So, but at the same time, those are also end up, and maybe this is just because of how I was raised. I just learned how to use those to my advantage because if no one thinks you're a threat, you're always in the room and you can get into, like I can ask to, you know, see stuff or go places or I could anyway, because nobody thought I knew what I was looking at <laughs> and nobody thought I was paying attention. Absolutely. So I ended up really being able to gather a lot of information by sitting in on meetings or watching or, or, or taking runs that other people wouldn't take in terms of, you know, chipping or messaging or whatever, just to see where things were because they didn't think I knew what I was looking at. And Lexi, why, so, you said this before, but why did you choose Star Wars? Um, you know, I think that was just... Um, you know, it's one of those films where you sat in the movie theater and thought, oh, I want to do this. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm i not sure if I can believe it, but I do think they are really trying to make an effort to include people other than white men so far only in front of the camera. Yeah. But um, I haven't I haven't lost hope, you know. Star Trek, to be honest, you know, I, you know, I just never quite felt associated with, but that conversation we just had on, uh, on Twitter, somebody just mentioned uh, her as a character that really brought, made a huge difference Mm. for women of color. Um, But then also somebody pointed out that she almost quit. She was so badly mistreated. Yes, yes. Mm, yes. Right. Yeah. So it's 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 very very interesting. Yeah. According to um, well, this is actually drunk history, but according to drunk history, it was actually Martin Luther Martin Luther history. King Jr. who actually uh, yes, that's told right. her you need to do this. Yes, correct. Yeah. And so she basically Absolutely. took another twenty years of what uh, misogyny and racism, because the conversation I had on Twitter started off um, with the black male actor who was the I never watched it, so you have, must excuse me for not knowing. Um, was he the second officer or the first officer? Um, um, where are you talking about, like the newer Star Trek stuff, or uh, no, the older one? 
Michael, oh, are you talking about Jordan? Oh, oh Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael Jordan. Yes. He played. He yeah. played work. Yes, yes. but he then somebody did well. a whole video and said, "Well, I I always looked <clears> up to him until I saw this." And somebody made a whole video of how he always had great ideas, and he was always told no by the oh, white guys. Oh, yeah, that's actually did a classic. That? It's, it's a classic yes. Star Trek YouTube yeah, video. It's a classic work. I watch it maybe yeah. once a year. <laughs> it's just yeah. Telling Worf no or just ignoring him. <laughs> and that started a whole Star Trek conversation in my mentions where I actually had to block somebody because they were so out of line, um, you know, and um, because I thought that was valid. I mean, you know, you look, you can write the black character, but if he's always being told, no, shut up, I don't really want your opinion, that's not necessarily doing a great thing, you know, um, but it was fascinating. Right. Trekkies are intense, you know. Well, as far as as, oh, as far as we yeah. know, no, no, no black character has been told to shut up in Star Wars. But then again, we never see them. So, um, uh, good point. Um, good point. So, there's a couple more. Um, in any medium, books, TV, film, what character's death hurt you the most? Oh, you asked me this before. Damn it! And I didn't know then. <laughs> you had a year, to, maybe six months. No, you had some time. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's because I'm. Um, you know, tr- trying to like, I'm in denial about anybody who dies, you know? Yeah. Uh, I get that. What about- I do remember that the, the ending of Pan's Labyrinth, um, uh, that death was the worst for me. The worst. I couldn't believe he ended it like this, but it's also my favorite movie. And then somebody explained me this whole theory of how she's not really dead and I was better. Wow. I have to say, I have to read into that theory. Uh, Blur Girl, what's your, what's your character death that hurt you the most? You know, it's really funny. And this didn't hurt me the most. It just affected me. It like kind of traumatized me for a minute. And it's funny because you asked me this the last time I was on the show. And I said, I blanked. And I said something like Captain America because I just <laughs> couldn't remember. And I remember later kicking myself like, why didn't you say this? Okay. So you guys don't might probably don't know this comic. But there, do you remember the movie, The League of Extraordinary yes. Gentlemen? Yes. Okay. So there was a series of comic books, which were pretty morbid to begin with. It was like morbidly... Uh, a lot of crazy stories of a dystopian England. And all of the characters were not necessarily heroic. They'd all done something usually pretty heinous. But one of the most heinous things that used to happen was the Invisible Man was a serial rapist. He was a horrible, horrible person. And because he, he was creepy to begin with, and then when he got the power of visibility, he would rape women. And they couldn't prove it. Um, so he had basically uh, attacked all of these different women in a uh, boarding school. In a, you know, how women at that time, it was like the 1800s, would all go to school, you know, together, be a women's college. And several of the women became pregnant but couldn't prove how. It was Jesus. And they were being disowned no, by their Jesus, families. But and God, everything. and they were giving birth to the brother. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they had to become nuns. never give up the children. Yeah. Well, um, Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mm -hmm. Hyde, Mr. Hyde had the ability. He could always see the invisible man. He was never invisible to him. And he followed him and found out what he was doing. And (laughs) this is, and okay, for those of you who are are triggered by like, again, uh, sexual assault, turn this off for a minute. Um, But he basically finds the invisible man and rapes him what? to death. Oh, I he know the story. Yes. yes. And I, I remember they don't, well, because he's invisible, they don't show it, 
they kind of show what's happening. But that after he basically rapes him and mauls him to death, he goes into the next room and eats dinner. But what happens is after the other members see him later or see him during dinner and couldn't figure out what's going on because as the invisible man dies, the, <clears throat> the spell is lifted. And so there's basically blood everywhere. Like he destroys this man. And so it was just one of those things that made me put down comics for about three months. Cause I was traumatized. Well, you traumatized wow, me just- in this answer, uh, Blair girl. <laughs> This I is know. like this. How? Sorry. How? How can I forget this again? Right. Like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't know this. I didn't know it, and now I got it all in my mind. Now, oh my god. Okay. This is horrible. Like, Sorry. I didn't know that. It was horrible, but then, but then there, it was really interesting because there was all this argument in the geek community as to well, he got what he deserved because he had raped and harmed so many women, so many innocent people, and it was like, yeah, but. All of this is wow, wrong? Wow, wow. Well, <laughs> like okay. all I'm me. kind of with the other side on this. I feel like we should do that to a lot. I have a list. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, please don't traumatize me. Please don't traumatize more. Okay, I, okay. Um, okay, so so this gives us our last question. And if you can have any one superpower to help your side win, what would it be? Uh, you know, I will mention the same superpower I mentioned the last time. I still want the same one. I would yes. like to make privilege visible to those who have it. Yes, uh, that was honestly still the most fire answer we've ever received on this show for that question, ever. It, no, it absolutely was. Oh, and, my God. Um, I think I'm going to say the same thing I said the last time I was on the show, too, because I still want it, which is Nightcrawler's power, and that is the ability to teleport oh, anywhere very God. quickly, that especially nice. when annoyed. That is nice. <laughs> With the accompanying oh, sound effects. But the, only, but the only thing is, his one limitation is he can't bamp for he can't see. I want to be able to fix that. I want to be able to do like what, like a, a cross between Nightcrawler and Bishop. I want to be able to just bounce and go anywhere. I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Um, me, me, I'm all, I, man. I, the thing about me, if you give me superpowers, I'm definitely going to turn into a villain because <laughs> I'm, uh. I'm so, and when I say villain, I, I shouldn't say villain. I should say maybe an antagonist because I never feel like I'm an evil or bad person will do bad things. I would never hurt people or do things to exclude people, but I know that I'm going to do selfish things with my powers. Like what? Um, I so can't see that at all. Not, not Eric, not Eric yeah. Killmonger's selfishness, but um, it's pretty selfish. Like I, I might just, I mean, I might just want to be a jewel thief one day. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if, I, if I had a disability, I would just start taking shit just because I could. Just to, just to test it out. <laughs> just to test it out. I think, see, for me, when you, when you, for the powers, it's like, I would just see how far I can go without clearly hurting people. But see how far I can go to see what could I do with this and try to be as clever as possible, which may be breaking the law as well. So that's why I said, I, I don't know. It's like, it really depends on, the level of power you give me as well. I know Ben Ami had to mention if he got a superpower, he would totally be a villain. What's, so. what's his superpower? Okay, so if you get a superpower, I have to have a... Yeah, what is Ben Ami? What, what would his be? He, 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 I don't know. I think he was trying to be like a, a Thanos type where he would just have like the, the gauntlet and, and then go from there, which is horrible because you don't need to have that much power in the world. No, you know what? He says that, but he's soft-hearted. I've seen him cry at Star Wars, so he really <laughs> wouldn't be that mean with it. He's not hard enough to be Thanos. He could have Thanos' power, but he would check to make sure everybody was okay first. Right. He wouldn't, he would like evacuate a planet before right. he blew it up. Well, he wouldn't like take out, I'll go, he wouldn't wipe out a group of people. I'll, I'll go with my usual answer, which is of uh, Rogue's power to be able to 
to uh, absorb any other person's power and then use it um, myself. So I always thought I always thought Rogue was dope. But then with all of that, you want to steal jewelry? <laughs> yeah, I know. As I said, it's like, damn, you don't have No, but only if she that. had like, if she, if she took somebody's power that had the power of invisibility for that day, she may steal all right. the jewelry. Like I said, no. <laughs> no, I think yours is not even about, I think you have like this edgy side to you. You like want to do dangerous. I, I That's that why. Dangerously. That's Yes, I don't see you even spending the money from that jewelry or wearing them. I would just take it because I couldn't. I would just take it because I couldn't like, ha, do something. (laughs) (laughs) I Thank you. That's it. Thank you both so much. I had a blast talking with both of you on this special episode. Thank you to both of you over your time, everything that we talked about today. And will you please let the fan bros know where they can find the both of you? I don't want them coming anywhere near me. <laughs> I was trying to let Lexi no, go first. Um, I'm at Lexi Alex on Twitter. Okay. I'm basically at um, the Blurred Girl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-G-U-R-L, everywhere. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, Snapchat. But I get mail on Twitter. That's where I am the most. And please, if you can, check, check out... Um, who won the week? Um, Sci-Fi Wire. It's a show I do every week, as well as the Who Won the Week um, podcast. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to talk about another podcast. And I have a column called um, on Sci-Fi Wire called Indie Comic Spotlight, where I interview indie comic creators every week. So please check that out too. And with that, thank you both, Lexi Alexander and the Blur Girl. We'll be back with more Fanbro Show. Fan-